You are now tuned in to the Believers Podcast, bringing you updates on your Chicago Bulls. Hosted by yours truly, Keith Franz, aka Bulls Scripted on Twitter. Just when you thought the freaking holidays were over, the gift that keeps on giving, the Chicago Bulls delivered something other than coal or shit this season, and they got two second-round picks, and Wayne Selden and Marshawn Brooks, who were both on expiring contracts for Justin Holiday. Hallelujah. Praise whoever you praise. That is amazing. That is... I can't. I'm, the last month that Justin Holiday has had as a basketball player has been damn near embarrassing, and I feel most nights he's going one for twelve, two for fifteen, and he just can't hit the broadside of a barn to save his life. And the Bulls just got two second round picks for him, and Wayne Selden is a promising young player, six five guard who can shoot the ball fairly well and. We'll see what we have there. So we not only got two second-round picks, but we get to add another younger piece to this core and take a look at somebody, which I'm sure once we let him go, like we did with Vonley in the offseason with his $8 million qualifying offer, I'm sure fans will talk about the Bulls and how they let Wayne Selden go, and he's the greatest thing ever. But maybe, maybe he sticks. Presser went pretty good today, and that's why I'm recording today instead of last night. Wanted to make sure uh, my assumptions were correct, like Hutchison starting, and kind of just wanted to hear the pressers and get the confirmation. Also, it was rather late once the confirmation that Cameron Payne was waived came through. Like it, it, I had to wake up this morning and make sure that everything that happened last night was real, and I didn't even have a drink. You know, this wasn't like early 20s, I got really drunk and I just didn't remember anything. I just was legitimately so shocked by the fact that not only did we get a better-than-expected return for Justin Holiday, even though I don't value seconds much, and I'll get into a little more of that as this goes on here, but Cameron Payne is gone too. And that is somewhat significant because uh, Archie Diacono and Shaq are both on non-guaranteed contracts, and the date in which they become guaranteed for the season is coming up. For Archie, it's the 10th, so... A week from now, Archie will be guaranteed, and obviously he was going to get guaranteed with the production that he's brought to this team this year. Uh, Shaq has a non-guaranteed contract for next year as well that has to be decided on before, I believe, August 15th of this year, so that'll be during the offseason. But his money this year appears like it's going to be guaranteed, Bulls had to waive Cameron Payne in order to complete the trade. Since they were taking two players on for one, you cannot exceed 15 roster spots in a trade. And though they intend to never have Marshawn Brooks put on a Bulls jersey, and they're going to try to shop him like they did Jameer Nelson last year in the Nico trade when they got a second-round swap from Detroit for 2022, they're probably going to try to do that with Brooks, and if they can't get anything done there, they'll just waive him and send him to the free agency market, which will also open up a roster spot for the Bulls. The roster will only be at 14 spots then. They've called up Raleigh Alkins for now. It should be interesting to see if he's who they intend to add if they don't use that roster spot in a future trade of Lopez or Jabari, who they are apparently in trade mode with 
but we already knew this. The anticipation around trades has been building up for a while. Every Woj and Shams tweet that comes out, I get excited and generally let down. But that letdown ended last night, and Chandler Hutchison gets to start now. We get to watch him struggle but develop and work through his inconsistencies with his jump shot and his confidence. And I think as his confidence builds, the inconsistencies with his jump shot will slowly start to fade away too. A lot of things in life and sports are are mental. And once you believe that you can do it and prove to yourself that you can do it, you can start doing it consistently. And I think that's what Hutch needs. And hopefully with the opportunity of being a starter and playing 30 minutes or more, he gets that. I am kind of curious to see Wayne Selden. He's not, you know, small forward size, but either was Justin Holiday, with our lack of wing players currently playing a little bit smaller. Getting a look at him should be interesting as well. I don't have high expectations, but if something comes out of that, I think that would just be icing on the cake. The one thing about the Bulls that he t- uh, Wayne Selden talked about consistently in his presser today was the opportunity. And as a young player, even with the rumors of dysfunction on the outside, coming to Chicago gives you an opportunity to show yourself to not only the Bulls, but every other team in the league. You'll get extended opportunity here. So I feel really good about today. A lot better than I did after the Bulls lost to the Magic by 28, despite going into that game Unfortunately, rooting against my own team again, like I promised myself I wouldn't do this year. But against these teams that are going to be close to us in the lottery or below us in the lottery, I want to lose those games by one point. Against good teams, I'm all for a good win. And even if you know we're playing one of the shit teams and we end up getting a competitive win with the core pieces being involved, and Holiday won't be involved in that equation anymore. I don't have to worry about the fate of the Bulls being controlled by Justin Holiday. We are free, and although most nights he's more counterproductive to winning than he is productive, there are those nights where Justin Holiday just, for whatever reason, can't miss, and he will win you a game or two. And he is a solid defender. He is nowhere near the elite defender that Boylan made him out to be in the presser today and if you ever want to get the smaller versions of the pressers the only versions that i see are when the bulls themselves post them to their facebook page and all you have to do is just go chicago bulls on facebook and then go to videos and they're right in there i don't have a secret stash or a secret source unfortunately i don't have a press pass so i don't get to ask any of these questions but that's where i get a lot of these the information about the pressers from is on the bulls facebook so you can check there, uh, listen to them yourself. But sifting through Boylan's BS was kind of funny. He called Holiday an elite defender like 10 times, and it just blew my mind because Holiday is far from an elite defender. Hutch is, by RPM and BPM, positive defender. So... I don't think the drop-off is going to be on the defensive end at all. I think it's going to come down to Hutch's three-point ability and his spacing. But the one thing that Hutch can do that Holiday just started to do and looked really bad while he was doing it was drive and kick. And Hutch will create for Lowry and Levine on the perimeter. 
and I think that'll be beneficial in transition. He'll be really good. So as a secondary playmaker, a rebounder, a driving kick guy, and somebody who can hit open threes, he did lead Boise State in points, scoring, rebounds, assists, steals. Like, kid knows how to play. He knows how to do a little bit of everything, but he also understands that as a rookie on this Bulls team with a Zach Levine, with a Lowry Markkinen, with a Chris Dunn to some extent, and his peer and Wendell Carter, who was drafted with him, higher than him, that he knows his role. And I appreciate that about him. I don't want him chucking shots like Holiday. And while some nights Holiday's three-point production and spacing will definitely be missed, I do think that what Hutch brings to the table could be just as valuable, especially as a rebounder. The Bulls struggle a lot there. If you add a third positive rebounder with size and length and athleticism uh, next to Lowry and Wendell, I think you have an improved rebounding core over Holiday being there. So there should be some improvements, and there obviously will be nights where we have struggles, but overall, I'm very excited about the move. I don't think you can really criticize this move. I'm not a giant fan of seconds, and I really don't believe that Bulls will ever use the second. They might use one of them coming up here to trade up for a first to get a better prospect because right now today if the season ended the Bulls would be picking 45th with the Grizzlies pick and as we've seen with players like Blakeney and Raleigh Alkins Brandon Sampson that the Bulls just picked up you can get second round talent for free in the undrafted market in the G League and until the NBA completely gets rid of the one and done rule and you're allowed to start taking kids from high school to ultimately put in your G League systems or the ones that already can come up, I don't think seconds are going to have as much value as people really think because you have a talent pool that you have access to all the time in the G League. You have the undrafted kids that are probably going to end up either going overseas or to the G League now that that league is developing more and giving collegiate players more of an opportunity once they're done with school to continue to pursue a basketball career, which I think is awesome, but it also makes using the seconds as trade chips more valuable to me. So if you can use them to dump Felicio on somebody in the offseason, because the Bulls do have their 2020 second-round pick of their own, you can trade which one you feel is going to be the worst of the two between the Grizzlies and your own pick, trade that pick, to try to dump Felicio $16 million that he'll be owed over two years. And you'll probably have to trade that into a average or below average player with an inflated contract that expires next year. But then going into the 2020 season, you don't owe Felicio his seven point whatever million dollars. So you'd open up that space, you'd condense it, and you'd just give up a second for it. And if that second's going to be in the 40s or the 50s, you can probably find that level talent in the undrafted market or from the G League, which the Bulls have proven. With Archie Diacono, we got Shaq off of waivers, and roster spots are valuable. Cameron Payne will tell you how valuable roster spots are because he now doesn't get to dance on the sideline for the Bulls the rest of the season. It should be interesting to see if he ever finds another spot on an NBA team. So roster spots have value because there is rules. You can only have... 15 players. The other team can only have 15 players. 
And these rules kind of influence the value of trades, the ability of trades, as well as the duration of contracts. So if the Bulls can use one of these seconds that I personally don't find very valuable, although in a return for Justin Holiday, I think they are great value because I didn't expect to get much of anything, if anything at all, for Holiday. But I see them as something to be used to take care of minor problems. Unloading Felicio on a team that's rebuilding and doesn't mind eating his contract and using him as their tank commander for a year and a half or two years and acquiring a second to do so while you take their short-term tank commander. So, to me, seconds are mini bargaining chips that one could even be used as soon as a Jabari or a Rolo trade when we're likely to take on a veteran with a bad contract. But to get a lesser protection on the first round pick that we get back, or to even get the first in general, we might have to include one of those seconds. So if you're trading from 45th up to even 25th, I think that trade-off with the salary probably becomes beneficial. Now, there is an argument for second round picks where you can structure the contract however you want, ultimately. Similar to undrafted free agents, you can sign them to three, four years, guaranteed if you'd like, as where first round picks are all guaranteed for two years, no matter what, and then they have team options for the remaining two years. So there is benefits to second round picks, but what kind of talent are you getting there to apply that benefit to? And if you can get much better talent, I think that's a good trade-off too. So while some of the trades that the Bulls do, and you're like, oh shit, they gave up a second again, this team just loves throwing seconds around. It's because they have very minor value. And that's why I don't understand the frustration around them. I get the Bulls mismanage them, and recently the worst one was trading to get campaign with a second that would have been useful going into a rebuild. That second round pick resulted in Mitchell Robinson this year because it went from the Bulls to the Thunder for campaign, and then the Thunder traded Doug McDermott and that second round pick to get Carmelo Anthony. So I don't know who committed the greater sin with that second round pick because I think... Everyone would probably rather have Mitchell Robinson. The Knicks benefited from the situation more than anyone else. But that one was definitely mismanaged because it was your own pick in a year that you expected to be tanking. That was ultimately a late first round pick with the ability to structure your own contract. And now Jordan Bell, the cash considerations, and as much as that's frustrating as a fan base who sells out a stadium all the time and isn't hurting for money and the Bulls are somewhat reluctant to go into the luxury tax when they were in a situation to contend. It is frustrating that an owner would, you know, force that. But because of that move, the Bulls did get a second. In hindsight, what the Bulls were able to do because they maintained that roster spot from not taking Jordan Bell, who's played behind Zaza, Pachulia, and Uni his whole entire career, and will be a free agent this year that the Bulls will be able to sign if they want. They were able to take on Quincy Pondexter. They're essentially able to buy Quincy Pondexter's contract with cap space that the Pelicans wanted to save and the Bulls took on a second. That second was later traded back to get the first that became Chandler Hutchison with the Pelicans. So as funny as it is to say the Bulls were, you know, creating equity, they did. 
they helped the Pelicans out by saving them luxury tax money by taking on Quincy Pondexter and taking on a 50, 40-something second-round pick for doing so. And then, with that relationship earlier in the season, they went ahead and helped the Pelicans in a desperate need and turned it into a first. So, as funny as some of the things that the Bulls suggest are, they're not really lying to you. The interpretation that you might read or see other places makes it more humorous and comical, and you can use it to take a shot at them, but sometimes what they're doing makes sense. And in the instance of trading for Cameron Payne, giving that second up, it still made some sense. Cameron Payne's rookie contract was longer than Doug McDermott's. The teams were exchanging expiring contracts for the Bulls. That was Taj Gibson. For the Thunder, it was Anthony Morrow, who was a pretty good veteran presence and a good three-point shooter when he got the opportunity. And Joffrey Laverne, who was at least signed by the Spurs after the Bulls let him go, so maybe he had some potential. But they were expiring contracts and bad rookies in situations that they weren't going to succeed in. Obviously, campaign behind Russell Westbrook and Doug McDermott, for whatever reason, with all the pressure of everything that was traded for him, just couldn't live up to the hype in Chicago, and he needed to be moved on from. So the second was ultimately included because of the extra year in campaign's contract. And obviously, campaign being a bust makes that deal look horrible. And that second was always unnecessary. And that is one second-round pick that I wish the Bulls would have back. Jordan Bell? I wouldn't want Jordan Bell. If the Bulls would have drafted Dylan Brooks, we'd all be singing Kumbaya right now. So, in some regards, I understand the frustration around the Bulls' mishandling of second-round picks. But in certain situations... It is actually beneficial to use them for other things than drafting the back end of a potentially mediocre draft pool when you can find that same level of talent for free everywhere and elsewhere and roster spots have value. We were able to get Nawaba. We got Archie. So a lot of the players that the Bulls got, instead of selecting Jordan Bell, which obviously I understand is just symbolic of taking the money, for the damn pick, which is greedy on Jerry's part, and really not Gar Pax's fault. That's just their boss telling them what to do. And what they did after doing it all but justified the sale of it. Because I don't know about you, but if somebody wanted to give me $3.5 million to not do something that I really didn't want to do anyway, and I felt I could get the same value in a decision elsewhere than making this decision, hell yeah, I'm going to take $3.5 million. So as a fan base, I completely understand. But as a logical person, I also have to understand that as a businessman, being paid to make a decision that you can do for free elsewhere is just good business. So as much as I hate it, I also kind of have to applaud the front office for adjusting to a situation with an owner like that and being able to go ahead and get a Blakeney, to pick up a Nawaba, to get Quincy Pondexter in a second-round pick that they were later able to use again to turn into a first-round pick, find Archie Diakono for free. So all of these things are why I really I can't complain. Because like you, I was pissed off as hell on draft night. First we trade Jimmy Butler. Now we're selling our second-round pick that I was all excited scouting for, though the Bulls missed on Kuzma 
and Bolden had already gone before that, and those were the two names that I was really kind of zoned in on. But they went to the Lakers and the Sixers, so I really I wasn't too hurt, but it was salt in the wounds on that night. It sucked. It hurt, and I feel you. But in hindsight, once again, after my initial reaction and my initial frustration like everybody else, I was proved wrong, and I can't argue with results. Similar to this Jabari situation. He's making $20 million and ultimately the full sum of cap that we had to make legitimate improvements in the offseason. The Bulls tied that into a 50-50, maybe even like a 95-5% miss or hit situation. And Jabari didn't work out. He didn't come into camp prepared. We saw that with our own eyes. Uh, Obviously, you can't plan for that. You can't plan for injuries. But similar to the Phoenix Suns, who have around $35 million in dead cap between Tyson Chandler, Austin Rivers, Darrell Arthur, and Shaq Harrison, and that's before we add Ryan Anderson's 15 to $20 million worth of contracts. So they have nearly $50 million in dead cap that is not being used to improve their roster. Essentially, the Bulls are doing a lot of the same with Jabari and Omir Ashik's money that's owed that is there and part of the cap structure but he's nowhere to be found. So between Ashik and Jabari, the Bulls have over $30 million in dead cap. A third of their allotment of their roster money to make improvements is tied up in things that are not contributing to their roster. And outside of that, we have one veteran, some guy named Felicio that people used to love, and some G-leaguers that are trying to prove themselves. So... I tried making this clear to people in the offseason that though the Jabari move may have seemed competitive, the Bulls were really not forcing anything into the situation. They were going to let it happen organically. And if the Bulls did something good, they were going to live with it because that much internal growth from what you see as the core of your future is all positive. But they weren't going to force it. And I think the addition of Doug Collins has been extremely underrated. He was in Philadelphia for the very beginning of the process as a coach and then for a short time as an advisor like he serves now here. He's seen firsthand how these kind of things work. I don't think it's coincidence that he was brought in as the Bulls were starting to rebuild. He knew little things on how to do this and how to do that. And I'm not going to be convinced that you can't use analytics just as easily to achieve a different goal than you can to achieve winning. If you're taking a whole bunch of ISO-heavy players like Blake Nice and Jabari's and Levine's, and you're putting them all on the same roster, and that's all you really have, and they're all negative defenders, you can kind of see where this starts to stack up. Now, on their own, and obviously Levine is much improved, I think he has a legitimate case to be an all-star still. You look at his numbers and you cannot deny what he did for this Bulls team when they were decimated with injuries. So it should be interesting to see if he makes it in. But outside of Levine, you know, Blakeney is a very bad defender and he doesn't pass the ball. So his efficiency is strictly reliant on his shooting percentage. Jabari Parker is fairly similar because though he does have good playmaking skills, He has more turnovers than assists per game this year. 
So when you add all these factors in, the Bulls were never going to win a lot of games. And obviously the injuries are unpredictable and they've given the Bulls an excuse of why it happened and the players an excuse of why it happened, which could be beneficial in the long run mentally, I suppose. But this situation was always going to result in the Bulls probably just missing the playoffs and being in the lottery. The injuries have put us in a position where we might end up being in the top five of this draft, or at least in the top 10 in the upper part of the top 10 to where we have very good odds to land in the top four of this draft. Now that the lottery is selecting for four slots instead of three. So I like where we're headed. Holiday's gone. Hutch is starting. The Bulls clearly have either learned from last year or just have the opportunities in front of them this year, but it looks like they're they're listening. And we can only hope that they're responsible with the assets that they just acquired. They were smart in getting them. I'm, a, I'm still in shock that they were able to get two second-round picks and a somewhat decent prospect, at least, in Wayne Selden for Justin Holiday, especially after his last month. Like, a month ago, if you would have told me the Bulls got this deal, I would have believed you. I would have been like, man, I wonder if they could have tried a little harder and got a first because Holiday was playing that good for a short sprint. At the last month, I was starting to wonder if the Bulls were just going to have to buy him out to get worse. And that wasn't the case. We get to see Chandler Hutchison. Our starting five is two rookies and the three players acquired in the Jimmy Butler trade. I couldn't be happier. Uh, Bobby Portis should be back soon. He'll get a chance to earn his money, and hopefully the Bulls form some chemistry. I know Boylan sucks. I'm not convinced he's going to be here long term. He just kind of seems like another fall guy that is here instead of giving Fred the chance to prove just enough to justify keeping him for the last year, which I think the Bulls were just ultimately convinced wasn't the right move. Jerry Stackhouse, a Jawan Howard. I know some people want Becky Hammond. Any of those options are probably a lot better than Boylan. So looking into those in the offseason is probably wise. And until Boylan gets a big extension or I hear about a raise or any of that, I'm not going to stress too much about the coach. Especially because if Fred finds another job where somebody's willing to pay the salary that the Bulls owe him, they'll have no problem firing Boylan and hiring another coach and paying Jim whatever money he's owed. So... I'm not really stressing. Hopefully we have a good game tonight against the Pacers. Competitive game. I want to see Zach Levine going at Oladipo. I want to see Wendell Carter Jr. play more than 13 damn minutes so I don't have to yell at my TV. Boylan, Wendell Carter Jr. has the most spirit on this team. He needs to play at least 30 minutes. That's that's what we're going to close with today. I don't know if the holiday seasons are over yet. We might get a couple more trades. The trade deadline is February 7th. I'm going to keep checking in with you until then. Might even record again tonight. If not, I'll probably record tomorrow. I think I'm getting sick. My lady has been coughing up a storm, and I think I finally caught it. So let's have a good game tonight. I'm excited that the Bulls are doing smart things or logical things that most of us have been hoping for all season. They took advantage of a solid opportunity, and let's see if they can continue to do so.